Hi everyone, I'm Steve Wiss and welcome to uh, the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, on this edition, it's a slightly different sort of episode where we've uh, got a guest on to uh, talk about the upcoming Europa League match between Viking and Aberdeen. Of course, uh, this uh, midweek it's all about the, the European fixtures and there's many teams from Norway, Sweden and the whole of uh, Scandinavia involved in some uh, crunch uh, one-leg ties. So hopefully we can get quite a few of the teams through the next phase. Uh, Champions League, we've got Karabakh against Molde on Wednesday evening. And then some pick of the uh, Europa League qualifications. We've got uh, the likes of Hammerby against Lech. And we've got, uh, of course, Ivke Jotteborg against uh, FC Copenhagen, amongst others. Uh, Buda Glimp, Rosenborg in action. But yeah, we've got an in-depth preview here of uh, Viking against Aberdeen. Thursday evening, half past seven UK time kickoff in Stavania. And uh, it's going to be a really intriguing fixture, Norway against Scotland. So uh, without further ado, here is uh, the interview with our special guest uh, on today's episode. And on this edition of the Nordic Football Podcast, I'm delighted to welcome on Andrew, otherwise better known around on Twitter and Twitch as Hunkelbury Finn. He's a Scottish football expert and a big Aberdeen supporter. So uh, thanks very much for coming on the uh, podcast, Finn. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, no no worries, man. I- I'm good. I'm good. I've had a good day of it. Good day of it. That is good, to- that is good to hear. So we're all looking forward to this Thursday night Europa League fixture between Viking and Aberdeen. It's a one-leg affair. It's going to be held in Stavania. Um, none of this two-leg stuff at the minute. Uh, there'll be no fans, sadly. Uh, which is a real, real shame, I think, for both clubs, actually, at this stage. And uh, the victor will be travelling to Portugal to face Sporting Lisbon. So, uh, Aberdeen, then, I mean, you're um, you're obviously a lifelong uh, supporter of them. Uh, what sort of uh, shape are Aberdeen in right now? To be honest, this season is a strange one. As, like, perennial contenders for third spot, we started the, the season with a tough game against Rangers. We lost narrow narrowly 1-0 to Steven Gerrard's team and we actually got Andy Considine who's like one of the the longest serving Aberdeen players that have basically been through iterations of different managers and still kept in there he's, he's had 522 appearances now for the club so he's he's been there like his entire professional career pretty much and he got uh he got sent off for a high high challenge right at the end of the game so a deflating one nil loss, and since then in the league, we've won every game by one goal. So we're actually in pretty good form, given we had a, we had a breakout of COVID that obviously is still fresh in everyone's mind. So in Aberdeen, like one of the few bars that opened, a bunch of the Aberdeen players went, and basically we got games cancelled due to it. So ourselves and Celtic have both run afoul of, you know, some pandemic related um, issues. Let's say. Yeah, I, I do remember that your club certainly was heavily in the sporting news, wasn't it, um, a few weeks ago. That seems to have settled down now. And uh, like you said, you started the season quite well in Scotland. Uh, played five, won four, uh, three uh, one-nil victories, which is interesting. And Yeah, it, it's honestly, like a couple of seasons ago, um, we were the kind of team that you were like, oh, we always fancy a goal. Like, you will go one-nil down and we're like, don't worry, we've got a goal in us. And it feels like this year mainly due to the lack of Sam Co- Cosgrove being as involved. Uh, we now worry about... So Sam Cosgrove, uh, he's got 
87 appearances for us and he's got 43 goals. So he's he's kind of became, for a guy who came to our club and couldn't score a goal, it felt like, for about 15 games, he then just caught fire. And then the ironic cheer of uh, Sammy Cosgrove Ballon d'Or became like a genuine, we were like, this guy is, just won't stop scoring. I think um, he's, he. I think his days at Aberdeen will be in question if we don't, you know, proceed in Europe. I think that's that would be a big thing that we keep him around, but I genuinely think some teams will be looking at him right now. Yeah, Sam, Sam Cosgrove, English striker uh, for Aberdeen, although apparently he's injured at the minute, according to Transfer Markt. Um, expected return on October 15th. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one because I believe he was one of the players who did attend the club and since then he hasn't been around. So whether it's an actual injury or, you know, there was heavy rumours um, and it, it so far it seems just to have been rumours that him and some of the R players were asking for a move. They got they got fined like four weeks wages or something like that. So it's that's pretty incredible. hefty. I think you'll agree. Yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, really is hefty. And um just uh, for the listeners who don't know a bit, uh, much more about Aberdeen, they qualified for the Europa League uh, by finishing fourth in the SPL last season. Um, they beat a Faroe side, I think it was NSI 6-0 in the previous round. Uh, but wherever I looked on on Twitter um, and, and sort of any previews when, when this draw came out, Viking against uh, Aberdeen, I mean, I don't know anything about Aberdeen. That's why we're doing this interview. Mm. Um, but all I was kept kept seeing was that this is going to be a big clash of styles. We've got Viking as this free-scoring side, just gung-ho. They're always involved in high-scoring contests against supposedly this boring Aberdeen team who just grind out and graft and, and, are, and are tough to beat. And I mean, is that a fair assessment of, of, of Aberdeen in general, would you say? Are you quite a defensive side right now? Or is that just you know, the start of the season and uh, trying to um, sort of knuckle down a bit? No, I, I think it, it's actually a fair place. Like I said, a couple of years ago, we felt like the team that when, when Johnny Hayes was first at the club and you had Niall Begin, you had Kenny McLean, who's obviously gone on to do quite well for Norwich. They we, That side, it had goals in it and it had goals from several different places. And now when we don't have Sam Cosgrove, like we have this season, um, finding that 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 piece to finish off our 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 play has been missing, and I, I actually do think that um, I have a big problem about Scottish football in the sense that when I look at teams, I don't go, oh, I know how Dundee United play, I know how Livingston are going to play. Aberdeen basically send out what we think is our best eleven, and if we've got a better eleven than our team, we'll we'll win. But we don't go out and go, we're going to pass the ball. You know, neat little triangles, or you know, it, it, Scottish football are the teams outside of your Celtic and Rangers who who just simply have better players because they've got more money. They don't. Not a lot of teams try something like an identity, like not really. Or or, or if they do, it's it's not as as obvious as as your teams in England or other mm-hmm. you know teams uh, in parts of the world like your Atletico Madrid and stuff like that. You know how they're going to play. Aberdeen, we are stubborn to break down. Part of that. Is definitely due to Joe Lewis. We've definitely got the best goalkeeper outside of the old firm, and I'd argue that either Celtic or Rangers would easily play him in goal, and they'd be, you know, better for it. I think he's a very good goalkeeper. So he's obviously level. one of your big players to watch out for. Um, yeah, he's a captain yeah. actually these days. Yeah, he's been a captain since uh, 
think it was like uh, early last season. So, it, you know, you don't you don't see it happen too often these days. I mean, he's made a decent amount of appearances for us, but there's there's plenty of players. Like I said, Andrew Considine. You got you know Julius himself. You, you've got players who've made plenty of appearances. I mean, Niall McGinn is obviously back at the club and, and starting playing games. They were passed over for Joe Lewis because he's a he's a leader and it's it's tough to lead from the back, but he is a very good example of a of a footballer for us. And obviously he uh, he was not involved in the COVID nineteen uh, club breach. Like, that's I, I, I like goalkeepers as captains. Actually, I think they're uh, difficult to find sometimes, but I, I think that's a good move if it's a clear a clear uh, you know candidate for the role. But um, we just want to look at transfer marks here, and this can sometimes be a bit vague. But your four most valuable players, according to them, are Scott McKenna, uh, 1.8 million. He's valued at Lewis Ferguson in midfield, 1.35 million. Yep. Sam, Sam Cosgrove, we mentioned him before, 900,000. And then Ross McCrory, apparently on loan from uh, Rangers, I do believe. Yeah, so, um, so Ro- Ross McCrory is an interesting one because it's a loan with a guaranteed permanent deal at the end. Right. So, so, so effectively, he's going to be signing first end of the season, and already, I mean, he scored scored the winner against Kilmarnock in our last game. I think he's he's tough to really place because he started off the season at centre back, but his finish in the last game would have me playing him in midfield. <laughs> even if, even if we went talked about football manager terms, if a centre back scores that, he could play in midfield. I'd stick him in midfield. It was a really good finish. He, he's um. He was away to sign for Hibs, Hibernian, and last minute a deal was struck with Aberdeen instead with the loan and then the permanent signing. And again, don't want to just talk about rumours, but uh, there is a rumour going around that that is a sweetener for Sammy Cosgrove from Rangers. So there, you know, if Morelos was to go, um, they would actually be looking at uh, Sammy Cosgrove, which I could totally. I mean that would actually be one of Rangers' more astute signings because they, you know, they bring in you know supposed big name players all the time, and when they don't work out, great. But when they work out, they obviously command a much bigger fee than the likes of Aberdeen and that. I'm intrigued at the the tactical formations that Aberdeen have used this season, and a lot of teams you can predict what they're going to be like. But it seems like you've actually used near enough five different formations in in five games. You know, some of them are a little bit similar, but it looks like generally three at the back, apart from against Rangers. But it seems like you're quite hard to predict in terms of tactical style. Or can you tell us about your manager? I mean, Derek McInnes has been with us for a number of years now, and he had the he had the fortune of coming into an Aberdeen team that hadn't won a trophy for near 19 years, and he delivered the League Cup trophy in his first year. So. He instantly became a fan favourite, but he's actually also turned down um, approaches from Sunderland and Rangers while he's been at Aberdeen. And I think the reason for that is, one, he believes in the project. Aberdeen are a team that are trying to... For a team that's not just pumping money in, we're trying to do it the right way. I'm not saying we don't have money, and we're definitely one of the wealthier teams in Scotland. But, uh, you know, we're trying to build a new stadium. We're, we're building training facilities where we've literally had no decent training facilities for as long as I've been a fan, basically, right? We, we used like mm-hmm. a, a, a crappy training pitch or we used the indoor facilities that the university has. It, 
you know, they've they've gone and they've they're investing in youth pitches and training pitches and and, and taking it to a, a much higher level. That if if every team in Scotland could do that, you'd be really excited for the future of Scottish football. I definitely think more teams having that kind of like youth facilities is only going to be better for Scottish football. Whether those players come through Aberdeen or you know drop down a level and find their level and and continue playing and can improve. I think it'll just be better. But um, I think um, Derek has stuck around due to that. I mean, he's, he's not a... At times, the most frustrating thing is he he's a manager who has openly said that he tells players not to shoot from distance. And he's then, after the game, gone, well, he didn't listen to me, but thank God he didn't because, <laughs> you know, we scored from such a long range. And there's one that sticks in my mind that, uh, he definitely commented on, but we were like nil-nil draw with Hearts and someone scored an absolute banger for in the A ninth minute or something like that. I mean, he, he he doesn't... It's not the most flexible system we play. I think everyone has their, their role in it. But, um, you know, it, it ha- it, it's been a, a massive improvement from, you know, when Craig Brown was in Aberdeen and even Craig Brown came in and did better than the previous managers. We did go through a, a long period of time where we weren't even close to the potential of what Aberdeen as a football club could be, you know? Well, that's interesting stuff. I mean, where would you say the club is at in terms of its uh, overall progression then right now? You know, Hibs and Hearts have massive support. So it, it's a big argument who the biggest, the third biggest team in Scotland is. But certainly while Rangers were gone, you know, Aberdeen were the team that was consistently year after year in and around the top four. And even even now that's the case. So even when Kilmarnock finished above us, they then dropped down. And last year, Motherwell above us, you know, it kind of, uh, we're, we're perennial in the right area. But sometimes, you know, we, we, we unfortunately don't get, don't finish third or finish high enough. I mean, we've had seasons where we made both cup finals and the team that also made the cup finals was Celtic and we lost them both. You know, we've yeah, we, we've we've made some cup finals and we've you know, we've had players we had um uh we developed one of Celtic's players from Ryan Christie and he's gone back Celtic and obviously is a key man there. Um Johnny Hayes, he was bought off us by Celtic and we got him back at the end of this season for free. But you know, when we got close we kind of got our wings clipped a bit, and that is that's football. It's unfortunate, but Lewis Ferguson, one of the players you mentioned, there is a a young lad, and really hope he sort of kicks on. Um, lots of people think, oh, they know. <laughs> and again, it's it's from being from the world of football manager, to, you know, streaming than that. The um, he's he's a name that people gravitate towards because he, he do, does quite well in that. But he generally does seem a bit of a talent. He scored a very good goal against Burnley in the Europa League uh, a couple of seasons ago. I don't know if you've seen that one, but worth a look. Nice overhead kick. Mm. So let's just talk about Scottish football in general. And um, actually looking at the UEFA coefficient uh, rankings, the Scottish League is uh, currently 13th in in the standings there. It's quite close, really. Um, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot of uh, nations' uh, leagues that would want to be knocking on the door of that top... Uh, you've got to get in the top 15. That seems a crucial position. You get extra places in that. Well, Norway is down as low as 25th now, by the way, for, for the listeners who are interested. Sweden in 22nd. Finland are way down in, like, 44th. So, 
not great times. But I mean, Scottish football in general, because you know, you look at last year, Rangers got to I think it was a decent phase of the Europa League, and then you're thinking, oh, Scottish football is on the rise again because Rangers are coming back, and then Celtic lay a massive egg uh, and get knocked out by I can't even remember what their name was, Ferencváros, Ferencváros, yeah. and and people are like, here we go again, oh, Scottish football shit and whatever. What sort of what sort of state do you think the SPL is, is in general at the moment overall? I, I think uh, I mean it's it's not great. I mean, you know these these players work hard and there's some some great players in there. And uh, I think it's more to do with um, how the teams are run. I think I think if you look at Celtic, right, Celtic have have got to where they have in the time that Rangers were away and Celtic were were obviously dominant. They had all this money. They've made good signings, and I've got to give a lot of credit to Celtic scouting team. I mean. You know, picking up Van Dyke. Um, you know, he obviously has gone on to become one of the best centre backs in the world. Um, and he, you know, they've they've it, everyone's talking about Edward. Like, is he going to be the next guy to go for a big fee? They they've done really well, but their resources absolutely golf every other team. So, any time our team showed someone with any sort of potential, they either get pipped by Selic or worse they go for a, a measly fee down in England because we just can't hold on to players. I mean um Aberdeen, Ryan Fraser came through the ranks there and before he, he played a full season, he was signed for half a million for by Bournemouth, who then proceeded to get promoted with him in the team from League One. They then spent I think an additional season in the championship, then got promoted from there. And then he went out on loan and you know like from for what that player he was worth, and here's the worst thing, we would have got a sell-on fee if he'd signed for someone before he let his contract run down. So he let his contract run down at Bournemouth. If if he'd gone for ten million, let's say, we'd have got like a million of that. That would have been huge for Aberdeen, like a million quid on a on a transfer fee. But of course, ran his contract down, and we don't get anything. And that's not that's nothing to do with him, but it's just an unfortunate part of what happens to Scottish teams. Scottish, Scottish football, the SPL, it needs, it needs Rangers and Celtic to be qualifying for the Europa League uh, knockout phase every year, really, doesn't it? To, to keep that coefficient going. But it also needs maybe the likes of Aberdeen, Motherwell, uh, have actually got a very uh, much easier draw in this round, by the way. Motherwell have. Uh, it needs someone else to try and make the group stages, doesn't it? You know, to get that coefficient up. And, yeah, uh, definitely. But obviously, like Rangers last year did us all a favour. Mm. Of going deep, getting through the group stage of Europa League, you, as you said, Salk really let us down this year because it's not it's not you know year to year, right? It's over. Don't they judge five it over years. the course of five years? So, like, it's like, oh, what a great season that was, and then boom, Salk just. And of, of course, uh, it's definitely impacted by you know single leg games, but I don't think they have any excuse. I don't think they got any excuse. They they shouldn't have lost to that team. They, Assuming close, like uh, Lennon wasn't even picking a striker, right? Mm. I don't know if he's trying to make a point. I spoke to you know friends of mine who um, support Selic, and they were like, "I think he's trying to make a point to the board. He wants more than what he's got." That seems insane when you consider what Selic have compared to your your Aberdeen and that. You know, like <laughs> we we miss our striker big time. They they were just as a as a principle, not even naming one on the bench. Playing effectively, uh, attacking midfielder as like a false nine, just 
just makes no sense. I mean, they still had goals in that team. It, it, it seems almost ridiculous that they didn't um, they didn't win that game. So let's move on to this uh, Pacific Thailand Viking against Aberdeen. I mean, Aberdeen, uh, what were your general fan expectations for the Europa League this season? I mean, have you reached the stage that you expect to go? I mean, the bookmakers actually make Viking a slight favourites, um, which I'm a little bit surprised actually by that. Um, I mean, is this a match that Aberdeen fans will expect to win? Or, or what? I think um, under normal circumstances, we would have actually felt that over two legs, we had a great chance. But I think, and probably why Viking are slight favourites, are it's one leg, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's a way for us, so I think that probably gives them the advantage. And um, I reckon... Um, yeah, if we had it at Pataudry and it was normal. I mean, so we we several times we've gotten close to uh we we've gone to the final stage, the final knockout round, and then we've we've faltered there. So years ago now, um we sent a little known player called Antoine Griezmann running away from Real Sociedad just at the right time to avoid us in the Europa League. And he went and signed for a little known team called Atletico Madrid. And I think he did quite well there, but I remember when we got Real Sociedad, we were like, oh, this is this is not going to happen. And I think we got barred over two legs. But, it, it, you know, it's that's the unfortunate thing about the Europa League. It's really not, it's not that fair because there's huge teams in it. I'm not saying Real Sociedad was a, it's a huge, huge team, but in comparison to other nations and that, like, realistically, Aberdeen would have a better chance of making a group stage in a Europa League. Uh, League Two, you know, yes, but, but yeah. not that we want that. We want to be in Europa League, but also a, a little known thing or a, a thing that people overlook is Aberdeen are making a loss every round. We're not making money off of these ties. It's not till you get to the you get the money from the TV rights, yeah, that you really start making money. So we're, you know, th- this doesn't actually help us at the start of a season. The only thing it helps us with is we don't have to play in the Betfred um, Cup group stage. So we're, we're through to the next round. That's handy. But again, and that, that has helped us out in past years. You know, we've made a couple bet Fred Cup finals. Unfortunately, we haven't um, tasted success because the other team staring across us tends to be Celtic. So I can tell you now, Viking, uh, uh, it's a complete opposite to what it sounds like Aberdeen are. They're, they're free-flowing. They're, they go for, for their goals. They're very attack-minded. They've only kept three clean sheets all season. In uh, I think that's eighteen rounds now. Um, they, they've not actually played in the Europa League yet this uh, this season. They they won the Norwegian Cup last year, uh, so they got automatically through to this phase here. And uh, I know a lot of their fans are actually gutted. They were so looking forward to to watching um, some European football at their own stadium. Um, so it's a real shame uh, for both teams actually. But I mean, I, I, in my experience, when you get a really sort of attack minded team against a defensive one, often the defensive side can get sucked into what I call a shootout. Now, yeah. could you see Aberdeen getting sucked into a, a shootout? Uh, I, I really, I really can't. Only in the sense that I think, I think it's a well-drilled team, and I reckon that what we'll do is we'll try and impose ourselves. Like I said, I'm not saying we're not an attacking team, but we're missing that. We're missing Sammy Co- uh, Sam Cosgrove a lot, and um, you know. Could Curtis Main fill that void? Maybe. He, he came a bit hot for a brief spell last season. He's only been with us for a year. Made 27 appearances, five goals, I think, something like that. 
I, I would like to think that um, we've got a game plan. I, I think we will try and absorb uh, some of that attack and intent, but we're a good defensive side. Um, I, I would think that we'll be more dangerous from set pieces than anything, to be honest. Um, it'll be interesting to see. We've got a couple of good players, Ryan Hedges and stuff, on the wing, but um, I don't think it'll be end-to-end. But, you know, we had a right go at Burnley uh, before they eventually put us out. So, yeah, we, this side has goals in it. It's just sometimes it feels like we're almost hesitant to take the take the game to the opposition. Well, it's going to be an interesting game. and We wish uh, we wish you all the best of luck in it. Um, not too sure. much luck. Obviously, this podcast has to <laughs> cheer, cheer on the, uh, the, the Scandinavian side. But uh, just before we finish, I want to talk a little bit about yourself, uh, Finn. And, uh, I mean... I know you personally from uh, from Twitch streaming. Um, yeah. You're a, a very uh, a good uh, football manager streamer. So for those, I do know we have a lot of listeners who are into football manager, especially um, when the lockdown was on, there was a lot of listeners uh, on about that. But uh, tell us a little bit more about your, your channel. Uh, you can find uh, Finn on uh, Twitch. Again, Hunkelbury underscore Finn. Um, and you can also follow him on Twitter at Hunkelbury Finn. And we'll put that in the uh, description of the episode below. But yeah, just tell us a little bit about your Twitch channel. Uh, so I sort of started streaming. Um, <laughs> it's such a it's such a sad way to start streaming. I started streaming just at the start of just before the pandemic. So I'd play time on my hands, and I, I sort of got stuck into always thought myself a bit of a never really uh, considered myself a great football manager player, but always thought it was something that I, I wanted to. There's a community out there, right? It is a uh, is a very popular community, and it, it's quite a a giving community in terms of like, you know, raids from bigger streamers and stuff like that. And that kind of like, very lucky for me. And our streamer uh, raided me like two days into streaming, and you know, some people stuck around, and that's kind of what I what I, I live off now as my hobby. So I. Uh, I stream football manager and, and some other games, but it, it's my main my main crux. And I sadly, I think I'm in my fifteenth or sixteenth season now, and I'm yet to taste European football in terms of Europa League, which is pretty upsetting when I think about it. So it, it's been an epic save, I must say. I've been following this save. Uh, do give uh, Uncle Rufin a follow on Twitch; it, it's well worth it. But do you think just before final question, actually? Do you think, you know, with a lockdown and, and the way sports are being played now with either no fans or few fans, that people have been more inclined to sort of hit up video games, both to play and to sort of to watch as well? I, I think so. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give him a shout out, but I, I know that a game that went through the roof and you're familiar with Fall Guys literally had something like 300 or 400,000 people watching one guy who's a, a popular streamer, but literally try and earn his first win to the point where it's picked up by ESPN. That's mad, isn't it? Half a million watching. Uh, I mean, it, it seems insane. Like, I'm eSports, right? I don't know if you've ever watched League of Legends or um, Dota. Like, actually watching Dota is, I don't understand what's going on, but there's something about that game and how competitive it is with, like, the actual casters calling it, like it's a football game it can be very addictive and they pull in millions. I mean, they're filling arenas. If you consider like some of the big teams down in England, how many people they get in the door, it seems insane that you would go to an arena 
that holds 40,000 people and sit there watching people sitting behind monitors. But they do it. it yeah. It's a huge thing. And I think that it's going to get bigger. But I don't think we're ever going to be in a, a stage where you know FIFA is seen the same way or any sport like that. I think the tactical team games seem to be the where it's at, you know? I mean, Rocket League had a, had a bit of a boost and stuff, but I, I do think um, those type of games like your Dota, your League of Legends and that, there's just something that, that just appeals to the masses. You can play that game by yourself or with friends, but the level that some people play it at compared to your average Joe is scary. Well, thanks very much for joining us on the Nordic Football Podcast, Uncle Briefing, and as I say, best of luck for the game on Thursday, and uh, many thanks once again. Yeah, cheers. 2-0 Aberdeen. I think I think two all. That's my prediction, and then I no idea after that. I'm sticking with my guns. <laughs> that was Hunkleberry Finn joining us as a guest on the Nordic Football Podcast, and that's going to be it for this particular episode. Uh, myself, Steve Wiss, and Jonathan Verdugba will be back very soon for a full length uh, episode talking about the latest goings on in Norway, Sweden, um, the European matches, stuff like that. So stay tuned for that within the next week or so. Uh, in the meantime, if you're not already, then give us a follow on Twitter at NordicFootPod. You can follow me at Meatman Soccer. You can follow Jonathan at JFFootball. And don't forget to hit up Briefing on Twitter as well, as well as his uh, Twitch channel. But uh, once again, thanks uh, to Finn for, um, for guesting on this episode. And uh, that's about it really all I've got left to say is uh, stay safe everyone take care and goodbye and we'll see you again very soon <laughs>